Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com/CSB1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Professor Mark Edwards has been living a strange reality for about the last 15 years. He knows what will happen. He just has no idea when. Edwards is an environmental and water resources engineer at Virginia Tech, and he's an expert on lead. What he knows is that in many places in America, people are drinking lead-contaminated water. What he doesn't know is whether that water is in my neighborhood or in your neighborhood. He certainly had no idea it was in Flint, Michigan, until late one night. When we got the results, I was sitting in my chair in my living room about midnight, and I would have fallen out of the chair if it was possible. That It was the worst linen water we'd seen in probably 25 years, and we'd seen a lot. This isn't really a story about Flint, though we'll talk about it some. It's more about what lies beneath the surface when it comes to our drinking water and why the truth often doesn't bubble up. When Mark Edwards started to understand the dimensions of what was going on in Flint before almost anyone else in the public did, it was literally because a mom with twins FedExed him her water. Almost three times hazardous waste levels of lead were in her house, so much so that a single gulp of that water could cause the lead poisoning of her child. The sad thing is, as I said, Edwards knew this was coming. Because of a prior lead and water crisis in Washington, D.C., and the fact that the agencies involved and that caused that crisis did not learn from their mistakes, we knew another D.C. was going to occur. And when we got the call from Miss Leanne Walters explaining the situation in Flint, we knew, unfortunately, that this was it. This is what we knew was going to happen, another lead and water crisis. What Edwards has learned from years spent measuring lead levels and tangling with government agencies is that this problem is bigger than anyone realizes and that lots of people don't really want to talk about it, as he discovered in D.C. So it took uh, six years uh, for me volunteering to show that thousands of children had their blood lead elevated. So the only thing that was learned from D.C., which, by the way, was 30 times worse than the harm done in Flint, Michigan, in terms of the population exposed to lead, was that uh, unless someone from outside looks in on this and and steps in, uh, these agencies can get away with anything, and they will. Edwards hopes that now is a moment when we can start to fix a water system that's dangerously under-resourced. President Trump has talked a lot about infrastructure rebuilding, not to put too fine a point on it, Edwards says, if you don't have water infrastructure done right, you've got nothing. I feel strongly this is an area of potential bipartisan agreement, this issue of infrastructure inequality and upgrading these pipes. And so I think it's been a real canary in a coal mine. It's been a wake-up call that you can only neglect your water infrastructure so long before civilization as we know it ends. And We have a precedent with the Roman Empire when they did not maintain their aqueducts. Uh, 95% of the population of Rome had to leave. Uh, This is what happens when you don't have a mechanism bringing clean water into a city and sewage out. Civilization, as you know, it ends, and you can't maintain the same population that you once did. So how prevalent are lead pipes across the country? I mean, what... 
in your view, is the dimension of the problem that we're looking at? Well, lead in water is, is very common. And we think that government-supplied or responsible lead is in about 13 million U.S. homes. These are the lead pipes that connect a house to the water main. And virtually every home in the United States has some lead in their plumbing. We realize we, it wasn't until January 2014 that we actually passed a law that required that manufacturers stop adding lead to brass that's mm. used in kitchen faucets and intricate plumbing devices. So any home built up into till January 2014 has some lead in it. Whoa. Although the worst homes are those built before 1986, which could have lead pipes or lead solder. And is any amount of lead is, is not a good thing, I'm assuming? Well, it's official U.S. government policy that there's no safe level of lead exposure, but practically... I get concerned in terms of the impact on lead in blood when you get above about five parts per billion lead in water. Uh, of course, the World Health Organization standard is 10 and the EPA says 15, but these are kind of out-of-date regulations and the risk is, is relatively low You know, if you're at five or below, but you start getting into the above 20 parts per billion or 100, or in the case of Miss Walters in Flint, Michigan, 13,000 oh parts gosh. per billion, uh, you start to realize the nature of this threat. It's literally to the point that it, occasionally in some of these cities, you'll get a glass of water, and if you consume it, it's the equivalent of eating like five lead paint chips. Have you ever... Um... Just or has anybody ever just done a bunch of water samples, like sampled water in L.A., sampled water in Miami, sampled water in Indianapolis, just to check it out? Well, the system is based on trust. I mean, we have this system of environmental policemen at the EPA and at your water utility who are supposed to be following federal law and doing that for you. We have been doing some checking, as have some reporters around the country, and in general, most of the cities they've looked at and turned rocks over at, they've, they've found that, that laws and protocols were, in fact, being broken. Hmm. In some cities like Pittsburgh, they admitted that they had a problem. We found lead in schools wherever we looked. And, of course, even at cities that are doing their fair share, there's still homes that, that have lead and water problems. So even if your city is following the letter of the law, doing everything that's in, in its power— uh, there can still be many, many hundreds, if not you know, thousands of homes in some of these cities that have lead above the World Health Organization approved levels. Right, right. And most people don't know that they have some responsibility to protect themselves from lead. And the reason they don't know is because no one's telling them. Uh, instead, we're misleading people and saying that their water is safe when it's not. Do you think this is more of an issue for people who are low income? Or is this all over, doesn't matter what income you are, it could affect you anywhere? This is an issue of infrastructure inequality that really does tend to hit hardest in our poorest minority neighborhoods and also in many of our poorest rural cities or towns. And what you're talking about is a confluence of having bad old pipes bringing water to your house, plus other factors that the folks living in those homes don't uh, use filters, for example, to protect themselves from the lead, or in the case of um, 
poor minority moms, they have a lower uh, frequency of breastfeeding, which really is remarkably protective of the infant, and they're more prone to make up infant formula from bottled lead-contaminated water. Mm. And this is off the charts in terms of the risk, in terms of where the risk from lead in water is. So for socioeconomic reasons and circumstance, uh, this infrastructure inequality, it does tend to hit our poorest and most vulnerable, as is the case in Flint, Michigan. Um, You talked about lead filters. Do you feel like we have the technology to um, address this sort of decaying uh, water infrastructure that we, we've we got out there, which, I mean, you know, I, I, the American Society of Civil Engineers says, you know, our water supply gets about a D and a report card, which is terrible. Um, do we have the technology that we need to fix that problem? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the lead issue is very simple to fix. It's making sure that in homes that have lead pipe, if we could figure out where they are and tell people, you install one of these $30 filters that you can buy at Lowe's or Home Depot that's designed to remove lead. The field data shows that they're very, very effective. And you, you just need as... to install a $30 filter from Lowe's. That that would have fixed things. In, would that have fixed things in Flint? That would have eliminated the lead problem in Flint. Yeah, you just use the filter to clean the water that's used for cooking or drinking. Um, you can use water with elevated lead in it to bathe, shower, wash dishes, wash clothes. That's not really a significant health risk. So that's what's so frustrating about this is that we have inexpensive, effective cures. And the danger is not so much having high lead in the water. It's having high lead in the water and not telling people about it so they can take steps to protect themselves. That's the essence of the federal lead and copper rule law that... Uh, the EPA and the water companies are supposed to test lead, and if it's high, uh, they tell people we can protect ourselves, and we thank them for that, and that's why we pay them to do their job. It's not like by hiding these problems they get any extra money or anything. Right. I'm Kara Miller. You're listening to Innovation Hub, and I'm talking with Mark Edwards, a professor at Virginia Tech and one of the scientists who uncovered systemic lead poisoning in Flint, Michigan. Do you think... We need more people inside government, outside government, in labs, working on like smarter, cheaper, easier ways to address uh, lead in infrastructure or, or you know, ways to create better infrastructure. Or is this simply nothing more than an issue of political will? Well, I think it's both. There, there's innovation that needs to occur that makes, for instance, the finding and replacement of these lead pipes more cost-effective. We also have a other emerging problems. Lead, perhaps, is not even the greatest problem we're facing with our infrastructure. It's leaks. It's water affordability. It's microorganisms that grow in our house, water systems that can kill us. And this happened in Flint. Twelve people died as the result of a Legionnaire's disease outbreak that is very likely caused by bad infrastructure, the lack of corrosion control, and these these bacteria that grow in, in people's water systems. And that's an emerging problem that we have to study and learn more about. There's currently no laws that protect people uh, from from these emerging dangers, such as Legionella and other bacteria. So, we need more research, but a lot of this is simply 
getting funding to cities who can at least afford to pay for it. Realize when the infrastructure is graded at D minus, that means that hundreds and hundreds of cities actually have an F, and many cities that are rich and can afford it have an A. Right, right, right. The average doesn't tell you the whole story. No. the What we're talking about is an unprecedented infrastructure inequality where poor cities or post-industrial cities or rural America simply does not have money to do anything but fix pipes on failure at the least cost-effective way to get ahead of these right. problems. And, you know, other cities that have funding, they can replace lead pipes, they can upgrade their infrastructure, they can raise rates. Most people don't realize Flint was paying amongst the highest water rates in the world for water hmm. that we now know was not suitable for anything but flushing toilets. Uh, and so it's not an issue of what people are paying. It's the fact that there's not enough people left in those cities to pay for it. And they're not able to proactively replace their pipes so that they can cost-effectively deal with this problem. It's kind of an infrastructure death spiral, if you will. So given all this, should people trust their drinking water? And do you trust your drinking water? One of the tragedies in the aftermath of Flint is that for most systems around the country, where they're actually doing their job and they are trustworthy, that no one trusts their water anymore. And part of that's because we reached a tipping point, if you will, where we found enough people who are cheating or not following the federal law that it's impossible to tell which systems are trustworthy and which systems are not. So it's going to take years and years before trust in drinking water is exposed. And by the way, the, the levels of trust in, in water have never been lower and in fact, bottled water sales exceeded soda sales in this country last year in large part because of the fallout from Flint, Michigan. You, you said that a filter, for example, if I went to Home Depot and picked up a filter to get lead out of my water, it wouldn't be very expensive. How massive is that undertaking? If, if there is that bipartisan agreement, how massive are we talking about to make sure that people have clean and safe drinking water in this country? Well, to make clean and safe drinking water uh, through use of filters, um, it, it's relatively inexpensive. To replace the lead pipes, you're probably talking hundreds of billions of dollars. And more importantly, to upgrade those water mains, which are really the source of a lot of the problem in Flint, and make water affordable, you're, you're probably talking closer to a trillion dollars. And is that what we should do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially in, in these cities that can least afford to do it, uh, rural American cities, post-industrial cities that, that haven't been able to upgrade their infrastructure for, in many cases, 20, 30 years. So finally, give me a sense of um, what your ongoing relationship is like with Flint and, uh, and what things are like there now that, in terms of what you've seen. Well, the situation is that the water is much improved, but the residents, and understandably so, some of them will never trust drinking water again. Uh, Leanne Walters is, is moved from Flint. She actually lives in Virginia now, and she's promised me she will never drink tap water again. And wow. many residents are afraid of taking baths or showers, which has horrific consequences in terms of other diseases, such as Shigella, which is spread by 
uh, lack of hand washing and hand-to-hand contact. And there was an outbreak in Flint and Genesee County of that uh, just this year. Uh, so, but we're kind of at, at the end of what we can do to make the water safe to drink. Uh, the, the water quality is now is probably as good as or better than most other U.S. cities. Doesn't mean people are going to trust it to drink it or shower in it. Hmm. But, you know, the next phase and the phase that will determine the fate of Flint's future is fixing the infrastructure and making water affordable to the point that people are actually paying less for their water bill than they are for their mortgage, which unfortunately uh, is not always the case in Flint right now. Mm. And if water rates double, most people are going to be paying more for their water than than for their mortgage. Wow. And under those circumstances, who's going to move into the city? And that's really what we need is to make it a hospitable, civilized place where there's clean and affordable water. Uh, that's the only way to give Flint a bright future. Mark Edwards leads the Flint Water Study. He's a professor of civil engineering at Virginia Tech. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. On our website, we've got more about lead in water, including a new site that's working on mapping lead levels around the country using your zip code. That's at innovationhub.org. And a follow-up to the point that Edwards made about the Environmental Protection Agency and their role in testing lead in water. President Trump's proposed budget includes cutting about a quarter of the EPA's funding. 3,000 EPA employees could be laid off though it's unclear how Congress is going to respond to that proposal.